Hey friends, it's Melvin. Thanks for tuning into this episode. Here's just a few quick things I wanted to notify you guys about before we get started. First up, very soon, new episodes will be releasing Wednesday mornings rather than Tuesday. So don't panic if you don't see a new episode on Tuesday. Just wait a little longer and you'll see it in your feed. Second, we've introduced a mailbag. Check those show notes and toward the bottom you'll see a mailbag link. You'll then be able to text us any questions you might have about movies, the movie industry, or any movie-slash-Christian-related questions you might have. Then we'll respond in a future episode, so send us your questions now. Up next, Patreon polls, which are available to Patreon supporters at the $3 tier or higher, have been updated. Supporters can now suggest films or shows to be reviewed at the end of each month. The two most liked submissions will become the options for the Patreon poll, so if you want to hear us talk about your favorite movie or show, join our Patreon and start campaigning. And lastly, whether you're a new or long-time listener, please consider writing a review or rating the Cinematic Doctrine podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Apart from financially supporting on Patreon, these are the two most helpful ways to support the show. And that's it. Enjoy the episode. You're listening to Cinematic Doctrine. Hey, you uh, just pressed play on this episode, and you kind of know the drill if you've listened to the last couple episodes. That means you've missed, at this point, 48 minutes of content. We were talking about uh, the kind of semi-developing but already developed um, (laughs) story of Vince McMahon. Um, And uh, boy, (laughs) do we now know a lot more about this man um, that uh, is quite fascinating. Dan, do you want to kind of give a little bit of insight for people who... uh, can uh, kind of tune into this if they support on Patreon. Vince uh, McMahon is owner, CEO, founder, head booker, head writer, king of the WWE. Uh, he recently had to, he is of his own volition temporarily stepping down uh, from his CEO position of the WWE, though he remains creative control, uh, which I use as sort of a jumping off point to talk about both some past controversies involving Vince as well as diving into the Weird Vince McMahon story thread posted on Twitter by Alan Cheapshot. Um, I'm, I'll post a link to it on our on our Twitter account once this episode goes live. <clears throat> but we talked about it for 45 minutes, so there's a lot of stuff in there, um, and I didn't cover everything. So check out that thread and check us out on Patreon, I guess. Yeah, support on Patreon for three dollars a month. If you support on three dollars a month, you get access to early episodes, uncut episodes, which usually contain in the very beginning of each episode, upwards of 20 to 40 minutes of content that you don't get to hear unless you support. It is uh, totally available to you and you get all the previous stuff. And we usually try to talk about things that aren't necessarily timely, or if we choose to talk about something that's timely or present day, then we try to make sure it's a subject that's at least more valuable and interesting or representative of like thoughts and ideas of the time so like when we talked about netflix situations such as their drop in stock and what we think they could do or what they could not do uh, current issues stuff like that and uh yeah uh, you also get to choose stuff we review on the podcast just like this episode on tickled a documentary that i have talked about for a long time i think i've mentioned on the podcast a couple times before dan had not seen yet i think had heard about it but um, but this was chosen by Patreon supporters for us to pick this month. The poll was movies that are shocking uh, for for multiple reasons. Um, and it was Man of Steel or this. Uh, and Man of Steel sure well, is shocking. Shocking, <laughs> but also shocking that movies that we could 
conceivably cover on a Christian movie podcast. Correct. Uh, Because there are plenty of shocking movies. Um, But for me, I was mostly interested in movies that are not like shocking as in like a movie that just displays um, shocking, dead, dead, violent, naked people. Like that's like shocking, obviously. But I mean, like subject matter is shocking or what you see is shocking. Man of Steel is shocking because it's a superhero movie. The Superman movie, and it's just every choice that could be made is like, <laughs> I mean, this isn't an episode covering that, so we won't get into, but it is, it is shocking. And then, of course, Tickled uh, being a documentary that some people <laughs> on Letterbox have said is sort of like a di- an SNL skit meeting David Fincher. So, um, not entirely off base, yeah. and uh, so we. If went we do get two thousand dollars a month of Patreon support, we will do a David Cronenberg month. So. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose I suppose 2000. Yeah, one person <laughs> supports 2000 a month and they have to maintain it for 3 months in a row and then yes, we will do it. Yeah, a, David Cronenberg's uh, listening going, "All right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, okay, I see." Got you. it. Let's do it. Um, but yeah, so head on over to Patreon, you can hear at least for this particular episode 40 some minutes of it. Uh, but uh Dan, do you want to give some introduction to Tickled while I go refill my coffee and go to the bathroom? Okay, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a plan. Tickled is a 2016 New Zealand documentary about, quote, competitive endurance tickling and videos featuring it. Uh, However, very quickly, that initial premise is not shredded necessarily, but it continues to develop as the story continues to morph and change, and it becomes less about one specific uh, tickling competition and more about a sort of seedy underbelly that exists perhaps somewhat in plain view. It is directed by David Freer and Dylan Reeve, produced by Kath uh, Carthew Neal. However, it is a predominantly a David uh, Ferrier. I'm not sure I'm saying his name correctly. Production as both a response to him is the catalyst of it, and he is kind of the personality that drives the whole documentary forward. Um, it also is interesting in that it is a documentary that even as you're watching the documentary, the story is developing. There is a f- quick follow-up as the documentary itself incurred a lot of reaction. And what's partially interesting about the whole experience is that once you do get done watching it, you then have to do your own research to sort of fill in the gaps as to what happens next. Tickled received widespread critical acclaim upon release. It made a lot of people's top 10 best of the year list. It is unique uh, as far as documentaries go in that it touches upon sort of dark internet tales, but outside of the context of like a YouTube channel you might like, it's professionally made. Um, it is shocking in sort of a and a weird saying this about something about competitive tickling, but in a kind of understated way, it's sort of plainly disturbing in that what you're seeing is so strange and alien, but it's also disturbing in that the implication about what's going on and what it says about uh, the world we live in today is perhaps more shocking than anything else, as well as the sad, strange figures at the center of all of it. I quite enjoy Tickled. It is a tight 90-minute documentary. I will say that at the ending, you do feel a little unfulfilled. However, there is a follow-up called The Tickle King uh, that you can watch for free online as well. And plus a myriad of articles written about it afterwards. I enjoyed the journey. I was looking for a little more substance. However, the initial shock and strangeness of the documentary itself is more than enough for me to recommend it especially if you have HBO Max, this is right on there. Uh, you may be familiar with Dave, uh, the David Furrier as he has another show 
um on netflix called like dark dark documentary it's like an eight or nine episode dark tourist dark tourist um which some of you may be familiar with that i've seen one or two episodes of that and i thought they were pretty good um however melvin you were talking up this documentary to me quite a bit in the lead up yeah i so i'm a big fan of this youtuber yms your movie sucks um i've been watching him for probably a decade now a very long time his content has only gotten better and better. But years ago, he, which I guess 2016 when this came out, he did a brief, brief, brief little quickie on Tickled. Talking again, yes, it's about competitive endurance tickling. Um, and uh, he just sort of doesn't share a whole lot other than it was this extremely engrossing, bizarre movie that is both incredibly funny and incredibly uncomfortable incredibly emotional at times as you kind of learn like the effects of what's happening gripping as you're kind of exploring the mystery um its exploration of the subject matter is very well handled like it's never really outright mocking the concept of tickling uh and we'll we'll of course get into the specific we're we're giving an overview of our thoughts right now but we're gonna we are going to journey through the movie as it progresses because it's hard to explain the specifics of of it without spoiling really the 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 adventure i mean it is it is a documentary where the strongest thing is the journey of watching it yes and every 10 20 minutes there's like a new revelation so it keeps pulling you forward you're never left without some sort of essentially new thing to go what the heck about like to react to and um but then on top of that like it's also fun like it is a really fun documentary it it triggers the true crime part of your brain that wants you to know more and to explore and to understand it's also just something that like it it triggers that part of your brain that wants to point and laugh um because uh well like uh it's not out yet we have a jurassic world episode that's going to be up soon but there's a section of that where we talk about mockery and how like can you mock things and it's like yeah you can and there's a there's a degree to which it's appropriate and enjoyable like that's part of laughter and fun and and situations i mean we just spent 40 minutes talking about a crazy guy who runs a huge empire of people who punch and kick each other on stage so yeah i think it's okay and so there's that part of your brain that's laughing at the fact that people are just tickling each other and like the 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 strangeness of it all um especially in one of the special features where the documentarians um voluntarily get tickled which is just just outright funny yeah it 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 just it it's very well crafted Uh, documentaries are usually only as good as their subject matter and then it's how good they are at explaining and sharing and pacing that information and like dan like dan said the 90 minutes are just really well paced and by the time you get to the end, you don't even realize it. For me, that wasn't too bad. Uh, for me, it, it kind of worked. It just sort of, you're, you're constantly wondering who is at the center of this. And then finally we get there and it feels great. Um, and there really isn't much more to say. Um, and a good documentary never constantly just points a finger to blame. It also humanizes and I feel it does that as well. It's, it's good. I know it's going to be challenging, um, especially for two things. One, because the subject matter is just so weird that I almost feel like some people watching it will just be embarrassed despite the fact that they're watching it alone based on the recommendation of some podcasters that they tune into every now and then. Uh, And two, if you're a Christian, you might feel uncomfortable because the subject matter is so 
I don't know. I'm shaking my head right now. I'm trying to figure out a particular word to explain that particular perspective. Let me just put it this way. Uh, <laughs> my sister tuned in to watch it because she knew we were going to talk about it. And I've talked about this documentary for years and she made it halfway through before she said, this is just getting too weird for me and too uncomfortable. Um, it is weird. Like it's, it's very weird. weird. It's fetishistic um, without it. Like <laughs> despite the fact that it's clearly fetishistic, um, the, the, they're very careful to never say that <laughs> the 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 particular subject, uh, Jane O'Brien Media, which is where the catalyst starts. Um, David Ferrier finds out a Facebook group called Jane O'Brien Media that is just posting tickling videos, and so the David Ferrier messages them, and he immediately gets responses saying, uh, first off, we're not comfortable that a um, publicly known homosexual is looking into our project." Two, our project is not homosexual. It is strictly heterosexual. Three, it's not sexual at all. (laughs) And so, okay, pick a lane. (laughs) Unfortunately, that is the number one way to make people assume that what you're doing is gay. Yes. If you're just like... Catherine made a joke about like Craigslist listings that are like looking for roommate, not sexual, (laughs) teehee. Like, okay. (laughs) You didn't have to say it. (laughs) (laughs) There is almost nothing gayer on earth than someone aggressively telling you that they're not gay. Yeah. Like it's very, yes. it's very counterintuitive, but that's definitely how it comes across, which is what's interesting about the movies. There's a lot of stuff that they never say it, but like the implication is there in how everything is framed, but also how people plainly describe themselves and react. This is very prominent in the follow-up video, the tickle King where they never say anything. They never imply anything really. Well, it's implied via the language of documentary filmmaking, but like they just let some of the subjects just talk and by their tone and how they're talking, you can sort of draw your conclusions. It's very occasionally very Louis Thoreau. He is very good at just getting people to like talk and and that's what makes him a really enjoyable documentarian. Some documentaries really want to take the, the, the documentarian wants to pull themselves out of the documentary. They just want to let things talk. But by the modus of making a documentary you are talking so i think louis thoreau expertly is like fine i'm gonna insert myself into it and i'll just i'll i'll draw things out and that's what he does Uh, arguably borat is the same thing it's just with the character um and uh in this particular case farrier does that as well but because it's such a broad story that <laughs> it's it doesn't make sense to constantly do the, like a louis thoreau situation um louis thoreau being a documentarian if you've never watched his stuff uh definitely recommend it he he has really good stuff yeah because of the subject matter um uh, being so fetishistic and definitely uncomfortable and i wouldn't say explicit because there's no one naked but it's definitely clear i would say like there's no like one particular scene in the middle, which is funny. It is totally played for last because it's so absurd. It is very clearly something that is only engaged because it makes you feel things. <laughs> and so uh, I will not hold back. It sure made me feel things, but that's because I was engaged. And it's funny. And that's also, we've talked about it plenty of times. That's the joy of movies. It is a fictional experience. Even if it is real, it is still fictional. It's, secure it's safe uh dr strange and the multiverse of madness can't hurt you <laughs> it's so tickled can't either but it is uh it is yeah it's gonna be challenging for you if if you've never watched something that has ever challenged you in your entire life 
So if you're the kind of person who thinks Doctor Strange should be rated R, you're probably the kind of person who thinks Tickled should be NC-17. But it is not it is not that bad. It's just awkward. And that's kind of the point. And I think it's okay to feel awkward. Um, so yeah, definitely. But yeah, before we get into the specifics of the journey, um, I definitely recommend it. It is, it's frankly one of my favorites, that one of my favorite movies I've ever seen. Uh, I have not seen very many movies where I've just watched all the special features. This is one of them where I have. Uh, all the special features are great. Um, they're all very small, uh, except for the Tickle King, which is just, you know, a 20 minute short doc about their festival circuit and sort of the resulting effects of the of the documentary. Arguably, it's just part two or you could say part 1.5 because it brings a finalization to the uh, general subject matter it, and the it, journey it, it of it all. It feels but. like the actual third act of the documentary. It does. I, I, hmm, it feels more. Like, yeah, I guess it, for because for you, you said it feels like it ends abruptly. Um, for me, the third act of the actual documentary feels like the actual third act, but the Tickle King definitely is an addition. It is part of the two because a documentary has the benefit of being in the real world. And I've often thought to myself, it would be interesting to to have a post documentary. Um, there's what is it? The Art of Killing that documentary from a couple of yeah, years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like literally recreations of these mobsters and how they killed people. And like the film is really reflective and hard to watch. I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard crazy things about how difficult it can be to watch because it's so raw. But what's interesting would be the follow up of okay, this is out there. How does it affect these people moving forward? And um, that's something kind of wonderful about tickled and the tickle king as a unit together if you buy it on voodoo you can get both you said it was free online where where is it i literally online? just googled the tickle king and it just came it's up just on, on youtube, YouTube. okay <laughs> like, so it's just there it, it i looked it up and it was supposed to be on amazon like prime but then when i opened up prime it just was like not available for some reason i was like huh so i just then, like Goog- yeah you could watch hbo max for tickled and then youtube for the tickle king yeah. i guess so that's like I literally, I was Googling to be like, where is it? And it's just like, it immediately came up as the first video option. So I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm assuming this is okay. So yeah, I mean, yeah. If Google's strong enough to, and powerful enough to do the right thing. So if they're choosing not to, it's not your fault. Um, insert uh, criticism of tech companies here. Uh, <laughs> the most minor aside that requires you to have listened to the Patreon stuff, but how is the WWE able to be so powerful as a monopoly and yet everyone's just focused on tech companies? I mean, tech companies are unbelievably powerful and massive, but because most uh, people don't care about wrestling, even <laughs> like, though wrestling is so important that, and like, big, because yeah. most big powerful people they only change because of public scrutiny, like public pressure to do so, like. Um, actually last week tonight, I actually just did a video on tech companies and every time tech companies changed something that was like a questionable policy it was because of public pressure. And because my theory is because wrestling is so insular there, it just doesn't, that public pressure just doesn't exist because it's again, it can operate without really any sort of oversight mm. kind of similar to what we're talking about with tickled, like this, like extremely yes. shady yes. and, um, allegedly, uh, and morally questionable operation that. I, I apparently didn't make a lot of money off of it, but <laughs> it was massive, but like it existed because everyone involved was too scared to say anything. So it just kept going. In addition to that, you know? I mean, like even my, my, one of my first write-ups for it on letterbox, my, my first write-up on it was just like, how would you even go about prosecuting or considering stuff like this? Cause it's, it is wrong. Morally, you feel that it's wrong. 
of course we'll get into that in a minute but like there's certain things in the world that are morally wrong but you can't figure out quite how in a legal situation to resolve it or go about fixing it or making it better um this is of course one of those places where the church could maybe step in and do things because it's a different institution and it can make changes but if uh if christians are too uncomfortable to watch tickled i don't think they'll be able to make any fixes here hey there it's your friendly neighborhood call to action just checking in on you hope you're doing all right I'm just stopping by to say, you know, if you enjoy the show, you can always subscribe and write a review for Cinematic Doctrine. There's iTunes, Podchaser, basically anywhere you listen. You can give us a shout out with a thumbs up, five stars, gripping positivity. Or if you hate the show, you can say that too. Wait, what? What are you saying? Why are you saying that? Well, I'm not going to tell them what to do, Ted. They're free to do what they want. Our analytics say we got a lot of listeners in the U.S. and you know they love their freedoms. And you're also free to check out our Twitter. Very active there. We host polls, memes. There's also the Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group called Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group. If you want to join, just answer the questions, read the rules, and tell them the podcast sent you. Also, you should check out our website. Some really cool stuff there. Editorials, written reviews for movies we haven't had time to cover. Always check out cinematicdoctrine.com when you get the chance. Oh, uh, Ted also told me I shouldn't forget to mention the Patreon. Something about you can support us or something? Wait, Ted, I thought this was like a hobby thing. You want me to... expand cinematic doctrine. You know this already. Right, right, right. Yeah, I I forgot. I'm the one who put all this together. Yeah, cinematic doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can gain access to early uncut episodes of the podcast. Oh, and did I mention you get to tell us what to do? That's right. Each month you get to vote on a movie we discuss on the show. Anyways, I gotta run. So, I'll see you guys later. All that is gives um, all that will have better perspective when we actually talk about it. So, why don't, why don't we get into it? So, the beginning of the yeah. documentary is it just throws you right into it, even throwing you right into some of the challenging material, perhaps frankly, the most challenging material, which is David Ferrier getting emails that are filled with slurs that, uh, <laughs> they just put on screen. And, uh, so David Ferrier is just a New Zealand reporter that, uh, the documentary kind of makes clear is pretty popular. He does, likes to cover weird subject matter out in New Zealand. Props to New Zealand for putting out bangers all the time. We had what we do in the shadows. We had, uh, dead alive and now we have tickled uh what a great um trifecta of of, of all very similar projects <laughs> yeah as so. far as i'm concerned yeah they're all they're all interestingly strange and fun yeah so he's finding that this facebook group called jane o'brien media is just putting out videos of competitive endurance tickling and they show you a video and it is a i guess you could say an 18 year old muscular boy in shorts only shorts tied to a bed mounted by another young man being tickled under his armpits and then the video is jump cutted to two young men tickling his toes and that is jump cut yeah, can't to see a- why people will be so uncomfortable with this <laughs> <laughs> it's right away um and if that doesn't get you interested not in a sexual <laughs> uh, uh fetishistic way but in a I just am waiting for something interesting to watch. You just like take a sip of your tea, put your monocle on, like, let's see what this is about, this quaint little movie. I told my coworker about this, and I was like, it is so bizarre, and it doesn't hold back, but 
if you are if you are the kind of person if you're like us podcasters who talk <laughs> about movies for a living um <laughs> as a living i mean a hobby um and you I just wish watch... i made a living doing this <laughs> that would be great i support us on patreon please um but you watch so many movies you're waiting for something bizarre to show up and this is it and david fair is here to promise you that it is weird because as he's showing this really weird situation um he's talking about like so i send a facebook message and immediately i'm getting called out as stated before we are uh, Jane O'Brien Media is not comfortable with a out out outed homosexual t- uh, t- communicating with us. We don't feel that that would be good for a brand. We are purely heterosexual. We are non-sexual. But then, in addition to this, he is also getting called slurs that are really quite <laughs> unprofessional, <laughs> very unprofessional. <sighs> um, but also, like probably the most shocking part of the movie uh, in terms of offensive for me. I, I think that's just so nasty. So, but for him as a journalist, he goes, oh, okay. So there's a story here. <laughs> so he investigates further, tries to figure out more. Um, and he's able to, uh, I guess, I don't know. What was your initial experience? Let, we're going to go beat by beat. We'll, we'll bounce this back and forth. I introduce a part. Uh, I pass it to you to react. And then you introduce a part and then I'll react. So what? how, from the start, I mean, I've told you about this movie, but how did you, uh, how did you react to this um first five minutes of this movie <laughs> well first we see footage from talking to justin bieber um which that's right yeah because he's because he's so popular yeah um then i was like it's actually like... footage of justin bieber talking to david farrier i just want to make that clear not i mean most conversations around. evolve two people talking <laughs> so i feel like we were both correct um I, then I was trying to place David Ferrier because I was like, I feel like I've seen this guy somewhere. And then I realized that he'd been on the Netflix show. But then um, there is a sequence where, and if anyone's watched a lot of documentaries that specifically are about things that originate the internet, this original beat is pretty familiar where someone stumbles across something weird online and then they try to do their journalistic due diligence and contact the person. And often this is where things go awry, either because it, they just don't respond or whatever. And my first thought was like, wow, that was probably the worst thing they could have done. Yeah. Because if they had just not responded right. or they had given him a very form letter, this might, the documentary might He'd not move exist. on to his next story yeah. because he's got deadlines and he need, he's got him. Yeah. So he would have just, would have just been gone. And <laughs> it, it's important narratively because it really sets the bedrock of one of the understated themes of the doc, which is why, why is this person doing this? But also why are they so defensive about it? And a running thread is like, what is this person getting out of making these videos and doing this? And then it becomes sort of plainly clear that the videos are all are um, part of it. But the larger component is <clears throat> what how, what it causes the people participating. Um, and the fact this person is so aggressively defensive about this not being a sexual thing, like, oh, this is just this is just whatever. Um really is an initial like hook for David Ferrier where being who he is, he can tell a good story when he can, when he, when it jumps out at him. And so my initial response is just like, she <laughs> shouldn't have done that. I've seen this documentary, like That's this right. format right. before. Yeah. yeah. And I know that this is just going to like entice him even further. to me. The real initial, like what the heck is going on is the next scene where um, the, the lawyers show up where the lawyers show up they get very defensive and aggressive about the fact that Ferrier is filming them. 
and then they get very threatening. Like you don't, even, you don't even know what's going on. Like you don't know what's going to happen to you, and like blah blah. Like you're, <laughs> you're going to be in a world of hurt, and just like the un- the thing of dangling above you as a viewer is like we're still talking about tickling videos, right? Like this is yeah. not this is a pretty mundane, normalish, old normal in the sense that like doesn't look illegal or anything. Yeah, it's definitely uncomfortable. Um, and but it's, it's not like, illegal. Like, right. you yeah, know, he didn't find like snuff films or, or like government secrets or something. This is just right. someone's weird hobby in theory. So why are the people involved so defensive and shadowy about it? And that like intrigue, I think, if, continues to draw you in. First off, yeah, like, as an audience member, because I've seen quite a few documentaries, but like so many documentaries, I think they rely kind of on the subject itself being like in and of itself, like engaging and interesting and a really great documentary is they give you some sort of hook. Like, okay, like there's a narrative element that's going to keep drag you along. I think tickle does a great job of that because very quickly the story becomes something other than what the stated story is. So, but I mean, um, like, I guess where does the documentary really take off for you? Like, do you, where, where do you really like get hooked into the story or was it like right away? I think it was right away. I mean, even just hearing it was about this weird expanding story about tickling. First off, it was a YMS recommendation. So that that's a positive for me. That makes me want to check it out. But um, just the, just the subject matter is interesting to me. I, I, you know, talking about what I said even earlier with the WWE, but acting and, and ego and stuff like that, like just this, this idea of, losing yourself to do something is fascinating to me and exploring that is, is, is interesting. And so the idea of even people who would do these, so like you, you learn a little bit further about why someone would be in one of these videos. And it's, um, the, the one person they interview says like, well, um, I just was like a T I was like an 18 year old teenager. I just needed some money. I just, so I, and I saw this ad that was just like, Hey, we'll give you a thousand five hundred, two thousand dollars to do competitive tickling. Uh, you come on, we just ask you a couple questions about like, basically like, are you ticklish and how, how would, uh, what's your experience with it? And then it's, you get tickled for this amount of time and then that's it. And in terms of the physical experience of it, it's just like, you can understand, like, I guess the, the draw to it, because it's just like, you're trying to resist your bodily reaction to the stimulation of it. And if you've ever, I, I am, I mean, I'll just, I'll do my interview. I am extremely ticklish to the point that if someone tries, I get a, I get away. Like it Don't is. I want to put that out there. <laughs> my, my wife will try and do it. And I'm like, no way <laughs> I'm out of here. Um, and yet like even watching it, I'm like, Hmm, $2,000 though. <laughs> like I might do it. So like, I, it immediately is fascinating and it's already engaging that part of your brain too. That makes you go, would I do that? Like when you watch something like a competition show or anything like that. But of course in this particular case and this particular subject matter of Jane O'Brien media, you of course are knowing like, "Mm, there's something a little more to this. Um, And I mean, even just like from the emails that he gets back being so vile and just so nasty and being, we joke about being unprofessional, but unprofessional that immediately gives you red flags of like, there's something more going on because if it was just normal, um, which later on in the documentary, they interview, I don't know if you call it normal, but they interview someone who's more, um, professional about their tickling engagement stuff. It's, uh, it's, it's just a, 
it's just immediately, yeah, catches my attention and I want to, I just want to know more. Plus 90 minutes. Okay. Yeah, that's easy. So if it ends up being disappointing, it was 90 minutes. I can move on with my life and it, and it was not disappointing at all. But uh, yeah, so it, it, ca- it catches me right away. But I think, I think for the more <laughs> normal audience, it's when the lawyers show up and the way they react. I mean, they're talking comfortably, normally, totally chill. And then the one notices they're being um, or the one calls out. <laughs> this, is this is about respect. This is about respect. Yeah. And it's just oh. very bizarre, um, extremely bizarre. And then that's when you're like, all right, I got to know more. So of course the documentary continues. They talk a little bit more with the lawyers in New Zealand and there's just more interesting stuff that they mention. Like they're not, there's one interview. Uh, there's one section where they aren't being filmed, but they have microphones. And so you get to pick up their, conversation at a conference room and it just gives you more stuff where like the one guy is really really laying on the not gaze about the whole situation and you're just like what is going on because like it, it, it's like you said it's the more you defend about not being gay the more people go mm, okay <laughs> like and like that just even that gets you to go like but i just want to know like why why are you trying to defend so much so anyways, they end up flying, the, the lawyers fly back to the US. And then of course, the documentary team flies out to the US as well. And they allude that they believe they f- actually were able to ascertain the next location of where this tickling ray is going to take place. Um, some details that we didn't share, which allude to the more strangeness of it is that if you are pitched to be in the tickling competition, your ticket to fly to Los Angeles will be paid for four nights in a nice hotel room will be paid for and then you will be you will be paid and compensated for the endurance tickling competition which they never explain what the rules are by the way i was explaining it to my boss because i was like this documentary is insane and he goes what's the how do you lose i'm <laughs> like do you, i don't know do win? <laughs> i don't know how you like what is it's like <laughs> what's the what's they the, laugh immediately so like is it per Haas? Like, what is? Do you have a safe is, word where you're just like, I'm done. Like, I don't know. Like, it's it's bizarre. Are there judges? Like, what is? Yeah. It? <laughs> like, that's the understand. thing. Like, what's the competition? They, they do that first interview with somebody, and then it's like, I get that everyone did it because they're like struggling actors or athletes or whatever, and they needed money. Right. Like, you mentioned like I've seen actors that are in commercials do this. Like, this. Yeah. Is it's really so strange. immediately sketchy because there's you just get ticked. Like, there's no comp competition aspect of it so I'd be like okay this is weird i'm not gonna you know judge anyone who just was like eh, who cares i'll get tickled on screen because the pitch doesn't seem that bad like, especially when like part of the morally gray area is that everyone who gets interviewed and everyone involved mentions that they were told this is like an audition tape or this was like wouldn't get put anywhere it's just right, for it's, a private it- collection so like i'll get tickled for let's like, defend $1, let's defend these subject matters okay so like you are living in LA and you know, there's game shows and it's, we all watch them or have watched them. Um, the last one I watched was killer camp for the podcast. I still stand that one. Everyone should check it out. Cause it's just a lot of fun. It's a slasher themed competition game where one of them is the killer. It's like among us, but in real life. And, um, so they're fun, right? Like they, you do these weird assortments of games, you win prizes. That's, that's pretty cool. Of course, taxes will <laughs> nail you. So like you're going to lose a lot of that money, but still, and so like, Okay, you see this listing for that. You hear it's an audition tape. That sounds kind of fun. Like, okay, I'll go ahead and do that. Like, whatever. Um, well, but <laughs> if yeah, you want to get into the interview, part of, part of what makes <laughs> this documentary work is that 
the basic premise of these videos is so obviously on its face, not not a competition for athletic sport purposes. It is clearly for someone else's unspecific desires. Like it's so obviously something nefarious underneath it that like that would immediately turn me off to like, I don't care. Ten thousand dollars. I'm not doing it. You know, right, um, right, right. Not, not with Jane O'Brien. Not, <laughs> not, not, with, not with this company. Maybe someone else. Maybe that other guy. The interview. I need um, ethically sourced tickling videos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want my farm to table tickling videos. Um, yeah, and that's kind of like part of what makes the documentary work is it's so immediately like red flag. Something's weird here, and that that normal curiosity makes you want to find it out. I guess like so, Melvin. How much would they have to pay you to do one of these videos? Um, not I for not for Jana Bren. Um, I would not do it. I will say that. <laughs> I do it. I do it for myself for pride. Um, um, but uh, I well, okay. So just to jump ahead a little emotion. bit. I wasn't making any other reference. Ah, <laughs> uh, Bazinga! To jump ahead into the documentary, um, and it's not uncommon for documentaries to do this, where they have a subject matter that is questionable, and then they go to an adjacent subject matter that is basically the same, but the moral the positive moral positive equivalent and you could debate whether this is a moral positive but they end up visiting a um a genuine outright fetishist of tickling like and whether or not they they never explore if the videos are including nudity or not but in the one in this documentary the guy's not naked but definitely muscular good-looking guy with his shirt off being tickled and tied down and in that section i'm like you know what I, I think I would do it. I am fascinated what? with the whole. I would totally not not for some, if if someone's converting it into some sort of sexual pleasure thing, then I would not do it. And I know that they are pretty clear that that's part of the point here. But in terms of like a, um, you go to a carnival strongman type test, except it's tickling instead. I think it'd be kind of interesting. And one of the special features, David Ferrier, Dylan Reeve, and I believe that's his name, Dylan O'Brien. Or I can't remember. Ah, uh, I'm so sorry. You are literally <laughs> actor Dylan O'Brien. Dylan O'Brien, yeah. You are literally the second half of the documentarians here, uh, but all of them, including the um, the boom mic and the cinematographer guy, all participate in it. And it's quite funny because at one point he's tickling, and the one guy just stops laughing. He, it's like his body just stops. It's not funny anymore, and he's not mad or anything. He's just like it's not getting me anymore. Like that all seems interesting to me, and the loss of ego, the test of of your person, like the comfortability in your own skin, and your and, and frankly for men, your masculinity to just be like, yeah, I'll get tickled. It doesn't change the fact that I'm who I am. I would totally do that. That's a total test of of that, and I think that would be interesting. So to answer your question, at this point, am I just saying outright I wouldn't even do it for money? I would just do it. <laughs> <laughs> I just try new things. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm you can't fine. put a price on experience. Um, <laughs> really, like it's just like the one guy says. It's like oh, I just like to try new things, and I wouldn't want to say I didn't do it just because I tried it. Like that's that's I literally that my mentality. Thing where people are always like, "Well, if I say no, the rest of my life I'll wonder." This is not one of those things for me. <laughs> like for me, it's obviously like that's weird. <laughs> like I'm not doing that. Uh, one of my hobbies is writing. I do enjoy doing that, and part of what's enjoyable about writing is experiencing stuff. And you don't always have to experience something to be able to write about it. In insert crime novelist here, but like I, I do think it would be interesting to experience. Like, okay, you're going 15 minutes getting tickled. Survive 15 like, minutes? Are you insane? <laughs> that's what they do. That's what they said they do. Like 15, 20 I know minutes. That's what of it. they're doing. I'm just, I'm giving you a totally like 
um, like th- this is this is an imagined situation. You can set whatever parameters you want. You're like, yeah, good fifteen minutes. <laughs> like, I think my cardio and endurance could do it. I would be sore afterward because when you're tickled, it's your full body like ugh, tightening up. And I, I would I would do it just to put it in perspective. They have. Just to feel something. (laughs) Just to be, finally, I can feel something since 2020. Um, Just to put it in perspective, there is a foot clamp that puts your feet down, but also on the foot clamp are shoelaces, and you go, hmm, what are those for? The shoelaces are to hold your big toe back so you can't curl your toes when you're being tickled on your foot. That is how serious this gets. And yeah, you know, I'd give it a try. Why not? That would be kind of funny. Uh, check it out next year. There will be a Patreon exclusive video of Melvin Benson being tickled. That's when I leave. <laughs> that's when the sh- that's when you go back to a solo show. Uh, <laughs> Put out a statement on Twitter like I do not endorse. Yeah, <laughs> the depravity. The SBC does not endorse Cinematic Doctrine's tickling video. Uh, we believe this is heinous or whatever. It's like, come on, guys, it's all in good fun. Oh, <laughs> is it? <laughs> Does that answer your question? I think. I mean, I don't add a price tag to it. Can you put a price on Patreon support? That was like a funny and then you got like really serious. Can you put (laughs) a price on Patreon support and the exclusive content available to those Patreon supporters? Half this episode is going on Patreon. Just like, I can't release that to the public. I'm I'm confident in myself. I don't mind. I would never. I would never. (laughs) You would never tickle for no matter how much money? No. You can't put a... You can't. You can't put a price. Is that your Vecna it. experience? He transports you to a tickling room, and you got to play your favorite song. I mean, it's not like out. my. It's not like my deepest, darkest fear or anything. It's, <laughs> it seems like a pretty mild experience overall. Like not a pleasant, but it's not like the worst thing. Which is the guy talks about too. It's just like yeah. yeah, it's like it's not like a weird. It is like yeah, he's like it's almost like a sanitized version of bondage or something, where it's like some of the same like psychological things, but it's not like right um, intense or whatever. Because the second it stops, it stops. It's just like, oh, okay, whatever. And that's it. Okay. Yeah. But it's like, at the same time, like, just like something I would enjoy. And like the fact that like other people would derive enjoyment from my not enjoyment, it's just something I don't like in general, I guess, like as a thing. I don't know. There's something weird about it to me. Correct. Yeah. Like, that's. That's why I preface by saying I wouldn't enjoy the idea of someone doing it sexually. But guess what? People can wear full clothes and other people are trying to get sexual pleasure out of it. So Sure. I I think like and I think like the one of the core questions to Doc though is just like, is there a like non-sexual, like healthy-ish, like what other enjoyment is there to be derived from this thing that in and of itself, like it's innocent children do this, like it is like there's nothing inherently like, weird or perverse or anything about it, like on principle. But it's also extremely difficult to to think of any sort of situation where someone would be consuming some material, like for what, like the art of it, <laughs> like because like I guess in theory, if it if there was some sort of if you were able to put together an actual competitive um like circuit or something where there was a point system or it basically was like submission wrestling where like if someone laughed, they got eliminated. I guess you could maybe do that. Like as a, I could see like it being like a weird college, like sport thing, like instead of flag football or whatever, but like, it's hard to imagine a scenario where anyone's consuming material 
for totally pure wholesome reasons. See, I don't th- I don't think that way. I don't think I think in the subject matter of the the documentary it's of course embracing that because that's also the angle that David Ferrier is going with the documentary and, and exploring that idea. I do think just like for me I'm I, mean, I, I know like that's not the angle of the documentary. Stuff. I'm just saying like Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I just I think you could in theory um see it as a competition thing in sense in the sense of like silly TV shows where they're reality shows, competitions, stuff like that. Um, but like I said, my case was more just like I would personally do it as a like a, a test or like an experiential thing, which I think I made pretty clear at the beginning. And then as a podcaster and entertainer, had fun exploring the different angles of what that says about my personality. And so, uh, but <laughs> before before, like I said, this is the episode where we lose listeners. I don't think these. I don't think these videos, though, like that are pictured in the. Oh, one hundred percent. That's that's part of the draw of the true crime <laughs> aspect. Is like, okay. Why is he right off the get-go expressing the not gays and trying to assert that yeah, these are well, sexual? Because obviously the guy is, if it's not that, it's this bizarre power trip idea of of thing uh, of the collection of the videos and manipulation of people, which gets into why uh, probably the the first real sad part of the documentary, which is as they discuss with one of the an old subject matter of the documentary, a person who had taken the job to do the competitive tickling. He shares his story and he shares that like he did this, got the money left. And then someone found a YouTube video of him. And unfortunately, when they introduce themselves on the video, they're saying their full, basically first and last name. They explain whether they're tickled or should not. And then there's the competition of them being tickled. And in this particular case, someone finds the video, it gets shared online. He's still in school. Um, and it starts to affect him. So he takes a YouTube claim to take it down. YouTube takes it down and Jane O'Brien media, I think starts emailing him saying like, you're going to regret that and starts posting the video very explicitly with his name with inflammatory titles, like, um, such and such likes getting tickled and is uh, very tickle friendly and wants to promote tickling on every video site you can imagine. So Google searching for him when he wants to go to college or join football teams, it's the first thing that comes up. And he starts sharing how it is literally preventing him from getting jobs. It is preventing him from getting into uh, football teams. He's talking about how he is um, has trained his whole life for the particular position he's in. And often coaches tell him he's one of the best players on the team and is the best in that position. But they can't let him join because of the publicity that would be uh, would be you know affect the team because of it. And so they go with players who are not as good as him. And so he starts getting depression and stuff like that, that is just really affecting his life. And that's when I think is the third draw of the movie. If the other two didn't get you. And that is the justice attraction of the documentary, which is a part of true crime. And you want justice for how this has affected people apart from it just being strange. And I could say, I guess you could say an affront to your moral senses to watch people get tickled and go, "Mm, that feels weird. And uh, how how did you react to this? Is this sort of what you kind of expected from this subject matter that at some point the, we're going to see how this negatively affects people? Yeah, I mean that to me was um, seemed like the angle that kind of inevitably because I was having trouble picturing because like a documentary like this can go in, in I don't want to say it only can go in one of two directions, but at least 
from my experience and other similar ish documentaries I've seen, like it goes either um, a very whimsical direction where it turns out there's just this uh, weird, wacky world. And yes, um, who are we to judge or whatever? Or it goes in a nefarious direction where the people involved are negatively affected. Um, yeah, I, 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 don't, I wasn't surprised. What I was surprised Correct. by was yeah. the was the pointed aggressiveness of it, where yeah, um, the person involved was specifically seeking out like where these people worked and like figured out where they were playing football and stuff and was like targeting them and purely because the person didn't want the video out there and like like one two two specific things is that, that first who were, they were posting the video everywhere they possibly could they were going daily motion vimeo like blips i'm assuming when blip was around um they were setting up entire websites just about them a website all a domain per- name in their name with with all their personal information like here's their phone number here's their fax like um that was weird and that was where um for me that begins also putting together the thing of like okay this person isn't in it just for the videos like they clearly um are trying to exert control over other people um and that which was kind of interesting because then it, yeah it shifts from being about this wider world and begins to focus in on a single individual who is a person who is the ringleader here who's who is jane o'brien who yeah. is jane o'brien not dylan o'brien the actor um, <laughs> yeah. who is jane who is who is jane <laughs> o'brien uh i've been crazy if it was dylan o'brien though now that's that's a documentary <laughs> they just out someone <laughs> some really big guy yeah That'd be crazy. And yeah, that yeah, that becomes a draw. Where you do yeah, you do want justice. You want to see like, I hope this person gets their comeuppance in the end. And then like as they continue to interview people, <clears throat> uh, they interview an old associate who helps this other person, because as they're as they're just trying to like figure out the whole tickling world, so to speak, um, they connect with people who are OGs who are back in the ground floor of this stuff. Yeah, this is when I think they talk to the guy who makes the ethically source tickling videos yeah um quote unquote um and, and then and, they move yeah. on to this other guy who yeah, is he, he talks about there's jane o'brien who we've been following so far who's the mystery of jane o'brien and then the fetishist says he remembers being online in the 90s and there was someone named terry desisto who kept asking for videos trying to figure stuff out and i think that's when we meet a old uh it was like a casting director right who yes, worked for terry casting director and who worked in other kind of other industries. And that's where we kind of get to the point where, uh, yes, this obviously is a documentary covering taboo subject material. The um, casting director used to work on adult films and participated in them. And so uh, that's, I think, it, it, the documentary... There was for, other stuff, too. Like, I feel like this person was kind of like a jack-of-all-trades, like, did all kinds of different entertainment sure, stuff. Sure, 100%. I think, uh, thinking of our Christian audience, uh, who tunes in for... <laughs> top top quality christian material um a lot of the subject matter in the documentary can be pretty challenging but i think if you're someone who's comfortable with i guess you would say history and understanding knowledge and and also reality like this stuff doesn't come as a total surprise getting into the specifics but they start having the the the, the, the casting director shares his experience with this other individual, Terry DeSisto, if you wanted to get into that, I know you were sort of heading that direction and then I cut you off. But. Yeah. Well, this is kind of where I think um, the engine really starts going on this whole mystery as they start connecting these dots. And there's this other person who, um, as they're describing them, Hey, this person says really familiar. They initially wanted videos and um, 
they would get very aggressive and weird if people said no to them or wanted out of the industry. And hey, doesn't this person sound very familiar to someone else we've been interacting with? And it it begins like really putting together. I don't want to get too much detail here because I just do think that like the actual like this is where I was really getting engaged because you're getting into like the like the mystery at the core of the movie starts to come together. And like I found like because then they talk to other journalists who've been covering the story for decades. Yeah, like, it's like it turns out that this has gone been going on forever, kind of thing. Like they actually do, and spoilers if you're still listening, they do uncover who this original person is, and they're some guy named um, David, David Demato. Del- What's David Demato? David Demato. Yeah, David Demato, um, who was like a school principal and like all this like weird stuff, like the exact opposite type of job you hope this type of person has. It's a man. uh, It's not a lady. Uh, And there's like and all this like these details come to the forefront. And and this is where we start putting together almost like a profile of who this person is at the center. And this is to me the good stuff. This is the really juicy, interesting information. Right. The flavor I, is the tickling, but the the meat is this. Tickler. This is the sub. Yeah, the tickler. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, you start learning things about this person, how they're con- how they're connected to law people. His father owned like a law firm. How like, they oh. never stopped asking for videos. Do you remember this particular yes, part? Yes, because they were pretending to be sick. <laughs> so, so he's Terry DeSisto is working with this casting director, and the casting director is has like a training. They they cover how he figured out who to have in these tickling videos, how not to. Um, probably the most, this, this is where like it becomes, it may not be snuff films, but it feels like that. Cause it's just, here's old film reels of my casting and it's just like his living room. It just, it feels the most weird. It's very um, lo-fi. It's so lo-fi. It, it is, it is the stuff you live for in movies where you get to the weird, uncomfortable stuff that you never seen before. Oh, you've only seen Marvel movies. Let me show you a real movie. And it just sit your friend down and show them this. And it's just, they, they basically a part of them dies. Um, cause they've just never seen something so strange before. And, uh, he starts to talk about how, at one point, he starts getting letters, not emails, and they're letters saying, "Hey, I got mono. It's just hard for me to move around, but I'm writing these to you." Uh, he's, there's the, Terry DeSisto still giving specifics on how to get, like, what they're looking for, and this and that, whatever. Um, and then, uh, and then the worst part is, uh, at some point, the videos start showing up online, which for this casting director, he's very uncomfortable with that. Says that's not okay. You cannot be putting these videos online because there's contracts with the talent and the talent did not expect this to be the case. And when the casting director says like, that's not okay, he starts getting railed and he starts getting hate mail and they get very nasty. Well, well, there's some specifics of which we'll leave to just the experiencing in the movie, but it's, it's, it's impressive almost how evil and nasty these things get. Um, and you thought it couldn't get worse than the tickling videos, but it really it is just horrible stuff. And, um, but at some point, when they put all the stuff together, you learn that uh, David D'Amato had actually gone to jail, and the letters were letters he was writing in jail to the casting director so that he could continue to have these videos produced while he is technically completely incapable of watching them. It is just bizarre. And like you said, you're the... the your focus shifts from the fascination of the of the tickling to this really... Uh, determined pathology and evil 
of this figure, David D'Amato, because it is evil. Like it, 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 the degree of which he's in power and using that power and just, it is, it is, it is why you put on a true crime. Like, even though it's disgusting to just sort of, uh, sit back and ogle like the, the imagery and evil and pathology of these figures, it's also what draws you into it because you're so fascinated by why, like, why is he, in jail writing letters to this casting director to get more tickling videos that he can't watch. What? So when he gets out, he just has like a plethora of extra videos to check out. Like, that's just strange. That's like, if I was away, but I kept writing letters to like red letter media saying, Hey, Hey guys, I don't have your YouTube right now, but are you going to talk about the Batman yet? I'm really excited. Please, please have that up before I get back. It's like, dude, who cares? Like focus on the fact that you're doing something else. It's just strange. Uh, but did you want to kind of get into more beyond, I guess, I guess beyond the journalists because they communicate with a couple others and basically blow their minds. I mean, once they pinpoint who this person is, like that's D'Amato, it sort of shifts the entire doc from just like, let's try and figure out what this tickling thing's about to like borderline a manhunt to try and find this one person. Uh, they do also investigate and this was re- this was the weirdest thing to me in the, in the doc where they go and just Demato's trying to break into the MMA world apparently. Yeah, that was <laughs> I was like this will get points for Dan. <laughs> it did get points for me. Um I like the guy I was like, man, if someone tried to tickle me in a fight, you you get punched in the face. After. Yeah, like, cuz there's no rules against tickling and tickling is what causes like, a volatile reaction. Yeah. So you could tickle to get out of your grab, but it's like Come on. No one's going to tickle you out <laughs> to get like, a grab. Like, it, is a, it is a great example of somebody who wants to be involved in something that understands it not at all. <laughs> like, yes. Right. There's no rules then you can't tickle, so maybe you should. It's just Tickling like, should be totally viable in combat. Like, uh. <laughs> it, it won't. It's not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the yeah. idea that there's all these, like, across the United States, there's all these, they call them, like, cells, uh, where he's trying to get, like, again, trying to get these MMA fighters or amateur fighters to try and, like, quote unquote figure out the viability of tickling in combat he's he's finding uh extremely poverty stricken locations because he can take advantage of the fact that these people are in need of money so they'll do these videos which again even if it's not illegal morally very questionable um yes 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 and that's like and they get some good interviews with this guy and he's just like talking about like, oh, he's recruiting me. And again, the underlying thing is people are also afraid of this D'Amato guy. Like, even if they don't know that's D'Amato, they're afraid of this woman that they're answering to where like, this is the only guy who's willing to talk on camera. Their initial interview with that athlete, it's the only guy that he'd get to talk on camera. No one else wants to like be ID'd or be seen defying this person. Because if you do, you get letters sent to you, you get fired from jobs, you get doxxed. Like um, this one original associate, she was sending... Well, D'Amato is sending letters to his mother, making fun of her dead son. Like, yes, like just awful, awful stuff. But um, the real shift is that they're trying to track down D'Amato. And so they try and contact, I think, someone at the building he lives in. They're like, yeah, I can't, I can't tell you who it is. And they're, they're, they start calling up his colleagues and people associate with them. And across the board, everyone will say either, I have not seen D'Amato in years, but you should stay away from him. Yes. Or they will just say, you should stay away from him. Like, everyone is afraid of this person, which is very odd, given that it's the tycoon of a tickling video empire who is commanding right. fear like a mob boss. Um, and then, like, it all kind of hits this culminating moment where they actually do get D'Amato on camera. 
It's like it's this interestingly kind of like low key. It's mundane. It's it's He's simple. just at Starbucks. <laughs> I know. It's basically an ad for Starbucks and how nobody can resist once you've started to go. You gotta get your you gotta get your drink. <laughs> just gotta go. <laughs> Tired yeah. from coercing terabytes of videos out of somebody. <laughs> Pick yourself up. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Get an espresso shot. And then I and then like the ending of it, and it sounds like we've covered a lot of ground, but it's, it is only ninety minutes. But the ending is they they call they find his mother in law, and like it's the big kind of big final like note that the whole thing ends on where they she just gives a very candid profile uh, of him profile yeah profile is a good word for it of Damato, and it really ties everything together where it's this like sad lonely person who really sad yeah. very very sad questionable sexuality and, and personality and um was lonely bullied sh- overly sheltered and now that they've become this powerful person who isn't just in control but they can coerce and get whatever they want out of people right. um and it's just it's a, it's a nice moment and it feels like for me it felt like it was the final moment before some sort of like end and but it for the documentary it is kind of how it ends um before they get into the the sequel ish video, but it's a really satisfying journey. I think if I had known that it ends the way it did, did it would have even been more enjoyable because it keeps building and building. And like you said, like every 10 to 20, 10 to 15 minutes, there is a new revelation yeah, that completely really. recontextualizes everything you've seen so far. It keeps building and it keeps introducing more people and all these people give you even more details. And they just keep building the mystique of this one person who has stolen identities, who has bought the social security numbers of dead women to continue to, to, to go on the charade, who has opened up hundreds of websites, who has ruined the lives of thousands of people. And he keeps building a building a building. And it's just some guy at Starbucks who had a very yeah. sad childhood. Yeah. Um, it just keeps hitting this. It just keeps climaxing. And it, it, when it hits this crescendo, finally, it's this extremely low key moment, which is really effective and good. But I think, like you said, you because it, you've invested in wanting justice for all these people who've been wrong, you're waiting for some scene where police show up and arrest them, which just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. It never happens, really. So, uh, But do you want to um, give any sort of final thoughts before we talk about the follow-up 22-minute doc, The Tickle King? Yeah, so I did. I watched both. I watched all the special features. I had not seen The Tickle King yet. I didn't know about it, but I didn't check it out uh, until this time going through the movie. And um, I'll just brief aside for all three of the special features. One of them is an additional uh, little interview with um, when they go visit the ethically sourced Tickle video guy. Um, the guy being tickled, uh, they interview him just to sort of ask about like why he did it and like his experience with it. And it, it's just interesting. It's only like three minutes, so it's kind of worth turning into. Um, then there's one where it's all, all of the guys, documentarians being tickled, which is pretty funny. Um, fun for the full family. It's very funny. Um, and then of course there's this, uh, tickle King and the tickle King is a 20 minute short doc that is essentially when the film was coming out and was going on the festival circuit, they were, uh, still getting, uh, contacted and somewhat harassed by David D'Amato and his team of lawyers, which and- is crazy. Cause like the whole first doc D'Amato is his figure shattered in mystery. They can't find him. There's no photos of him even really. Like there's one like mugshot. And then in the Tickle King, he's just there. 
he's just there yelling yes. at them. It's yes. it, it is so, wild. Yeah, they they do this festival circuit and when they go to Sundance, they have a couple screens, but then there's um during I think their first or second screen, one of the uh, one of the people in the audience goes to Farrier and it's just like Hey, there was this guy next to me just flipping papers constantly and taking notes throughout the movie. And I looked over and it was a lot of paper. So I don't know if it's legal and whatever. So then they're like, okay, it sounds like uh, David D'Amato is having people in our area. And then uh, they have another screening and somebody goes to Farrier as the screen is going on and says, there's a man with a coffee cup that he keeps holding to his mouth the entire time. And they go, hmm, we did a coffee cup stunt where we put a camera in a coffee cup as they did a conversation with someone. So they had to literally pause the movie in the middle of the movie, had the um, the two men come out and they saw them and they later learned that they were private eyes. And when they revealed that there was nothing in the coffee cup, they suspected that perhaps they had a camera in the coffee cup, slipped it to a woman that was sitting next to them who now was not there. And so they're still getting harassed and affected by this. And then finally, when the movie is out of its, uh, oh, so they, at Sundance, they upped the security like crazy, uh, which is crazy to think about. Um, and then finally, uh, they are going to do a public release of the film out of the festival circuit. And so the two of them split up. Uh, Farrier goes to the East Coast and uh, Dylan goes to the West Coast. And when Dylan is in the West Coast, um, who's there other than just David D'Amato. He's just at the screen. And as the film comes to the end and they're going to do the Q and a, and Dylan is going to the stage. D'Amato just stands up and starts talking to him and it's pretty heated. And they start kind of going back and forth and D'Amato saying how like it's demonstrably false. None of it's true. And they're going into each other and Dylan's really chill about it. And at some point D'Amato is going to leave and people start booing him and everything. And Dylan's like, Hey, chill, chill, chill out. Like it's not cool. Uh, and he's like, for the Q&A, we'd love for you to stay. So D'Amato just says, I'm going to stay. And it's kind of cute because he's just this big man sitting down eating popcorn. <laughs> just, again, mundane. It's like you would, it, first off, that's what's so strange, right? It's like people, you ju- just a random stranger. Uh, it's the, it's the, um, uh, the, the ending of Hellfest where the killer goes home, puts his mask in the shed, and he's just a normal guy who just has a family. And uh, who would have thought anyone other than us would still be talking about Hellfest? But, um, and uh, he's just, there's just QA where they talk about it. And then at some point, D'Amato starts asking questions. But even more strangely, one of the lawyers starts asking questions, who again is just so worried about the fact that they believe that the film paints what they're doing as, as very homosexual. And they, the documentarian says, I don't think so. I think we just prevented it, presented it very strangely, frankly, culturally, by just having several muscular, topless men tickling each other. It looks homosexual. So I don't, I don't know. I think you just got to accept Look, it. And I, I, <laughs> I am a rest professional wrestling fan. Okay. I understand that like just the presence of people in various levels of undress, like being, physical is not inherently sexual anyway however correct these videos i know (laughs) it's just it's clearly well um, it's the conundrum right it's it's a two uh there's like a tiktok i saw that it was um 
uh, two girls sitting in a room together. Oh, they're they're just good friends. And then two girls hugging. Oh, they're just friends. And then it was two girls kissing. Oh, they're just friends. And then it was two boys sitting six feet across. Oh, they're gay. <laughs> it's just like, um, for some reason, there's a thing about yeah, two men there's... being closer that always like, like that's why there's the classic Christian hug of two men hugging and they pat each other's back and it's three taps. So it's, I'm not gay. Um, that's kind of the joke, right? Like for some reason, men, cannot be physically close in a Western setting. Meanwhile, my one friend who lives in South Korea says like boys and men are very touchy. Yeah. And it's just lot, culturally yeah. very different and not considered homosexual. So here in the West, if you're going to have these tickly videos, you just, just stop defending it. Just accept yeah, that every... this is what it looks like and just advocate for your tickling. If you really think it's a real operation, which it's, not a legitimate operation every missionary i know has stories of going to other cultures and like oh like the guys are just hold hands you know or whatever and it's just it is pretty uniquely western in that way where there's like um they're kind of closed off to any sort of like affection and then you'll find like on men's right activist websites articles about how men need more physical touch and it's just the most bizarre contrary kind of thing which arguably everyone needs more physical touch non-sexual positive physical touch is very good yeah very good there is it's not really culturally normal or uh, i don't know how to argue for it because it's just typically not normal i don't know but yeah all all that to say like yes there is a level where we hear maybe a little little uptight about physical affection that can be very healthy and even in godly, you know, there's, there's something, there's something very good and pure about like you're having a bad day and your friend hugs you or just being comfortable enough with somebody that you can like show like different levels of affection towards one another. That's very good and healthy. However, there is something to be said about presentation and everything about the way that these videos are made, marketed, presented, and distributed is so clearly sketchy that it cancels out any defenses that you can make about like their content and intention, which is then magnified um, by the fact that like there is a part in this follow-up documentary where the lawyer from the first one is interviewing the MMA guy from the first one. And he's like trying to coerce him into these answers about like, Oh, this is all lies this is all sketchy. And the guy being interviewed again, there's nothing said, but like the way that the MMA guy is answering these questions he clearly looks like he's under some sort of duress where yeah. like he doesn't fully believe that. And then of course there's this final um, interview where the film's producer is talking to D'Amato and D'Amato is very, very um, not just insistent. Like he's questioning why this guy would even want to be associated with somebody who's known. Yes. To be, the, you're talking about outside of the theater. Yeah. They go outside he's the theater. Like, what, why would you even want to talk to him? And it's he's like, like, he's like, you're a married man with kids. Why would you want to be friends with David if he's gay? It's yeah. essentially what he says. And he just, and then he kind of just it's goes like verb. It's like verbatim what he says. It, and it's really like, it's shocking um, because. And how Frank just points. Yeah. And how he's like, he thinks he's being very normal in saying this. Yeah. And he, and he like, his expressions are so casually like, mm, okay, whatever. <laughs> like tomato, tomato. New Zealanders. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, and it's weird. Right. Because like so for, for, two reasons right like one is culturally now it's just like (laughs) sexuality is such a mess right now that it's it's just okay whatever and then secondly it's just so he's so confident in expressing these 
really nasty things. Because at the end of the day, it's just like, he's different than you. Why would you have a relationship with him? Which is just a really... <laughs> he's not normal like me, the Tickle King. <laughs> yeah, it's just really weird. It's it's And it asserts just how like twisted and like evil that perspective is. Because it's so... Yeah, it, it's it's very dehumanizing. I can imagine like fairy is probably used to strange things, but that was probably such a like painful thing to even hear, right? To just be like, maybe because I wonder of, if the source is so strange that it's like very easy to dismiss. It's almost obvious. Like, oh, like I already thought he thought that. No. Like, <laughs> well, it's just like who cares? Who cares what he thought, thinks about anything? Like if he tells me his favorite like drink is Pepsi, I'm drinking Coke. Like this is a very weird person, right? Um, right. But like for further context, like he while this film was coming out, he. D'Amato had sued his mother-in-law for quote defamation because of the thing she says in the phone call that's in the first in the documentary where she implies like oh maybe he's I'm scared of him he's like sick like maybe I don't know if he's gay or not or whatever and it's just like there's this under again this underlying thing of like it's not just control like he's almost like trying to prove something like like why would you even associate with <laughs> with a homosexual like him like yeah it's, and it's weird. just like there's this like insecurity to him that's so like palpable. Like he, he is so like, he's, he's still that boy who's stuffed in a locker, which literally happened like to him, apparently according to his mother-in-law where he's trying to get back at everyone else and control everything. And just like prove something to, to, I don't know himself where he's just like, Oh, this is, there's nothing weird about this. I just like these videos. And I also like, controlling people and ruining their lives and i'm showing up to this film screening and threatening to sue everyone like a normal person would you know yeah and it's just like the what he's saying and what he's doing just don't match so much that it's it's mesmerizing like i yeah every time damato's on screen he's a star like i just could not take my eyes off this guy who is just like casual like you said casually eating popcorn and being like you should lawyer up while watching their documentary did you find it strange or did you find it enjoyable to watch the um <laughs> the people in the background as they're watching that final confrontation outside the theater. I mean, their eyes were just like, <laughs> just totally like shocked. Like, I can't believe it. This is I a top 10 theater experience for sure. Yeah. You know, that was so funny. It's um portal scene, end game shadow, the hedgehog. And this is number three, you know, yeah. just like yeah. the time the guy in the movie showed up in real life. Insert Twitter scene where I wish streaming services would have a button so I could have audience reactions. Uh, I want, when I'm yeah, at I want it the button where I can have D'Amato come into my living room and threaten to sue me every time I watch something. <laughs> he just, I just want a D'Amato simulator because it adds some more spice to my life. <laughs> just, I can't wait to hear what wacky you're watching. Things. You're watching Portrait of a Lady on Fire and just like, this, this isn't good. <laughs> nothing good about this like, that's right yeah. i'm gonna sue you i don't know why my damato became a cage impression i um, wish he had twitter it would be so great but as <laughs> as a the we, final we, twist yes the final we, twist is six months after the tickle king he uh died uh and so there's just that's it you know i mean there really isn't much else after it's, that, right it's bizarrely kind of the perfect ending where just the mystery will never be solved um he had a he had multiple health problems. He had some sort of cardiac event. He also had um, suffered from obesity and diabetes. And I don't know if he had something else, but the official listing is cardiac event. Um, and the what is it called? The Jane something. I'm bad with names. What's the name of the company? Jane O'Brien. Yeah, it's already being run by somebody else um, who was an associative Damato's during the making of the documentary. He swore up and down. He had nothing to do with Damato, but now that D'Amato has passed away. He's very much more open about it. He even 
he even had a conversation with uh, Furrier afterwards, um, and he has all the videos. He has the entire library, um, and it's interesting because he does give some insight into Damato's like psyche, like where he was talking about like they have projects they shelved because they just weren't to Damato's liking for whatever reason, and now these videos are purchasable. Um, he's just making a profit off of them, which again morally questionable because right. all the people involved um weren't even clear on the fact that they're being put on the internet let alone being sold on like dvds or i don't even know how they're being sold but the company continues to exist and so it's in some ways this is an ongoing story it is this was a snapshot of this period of this company's existence and the person who created it but it continues to live on which is kind of what this this whole thing is part of the experience of a doc i think where it isn't just the documentary it is there's this whole story around it where the documentary is part of the story. There's a whole follow-up just about the release of the documentary. And even now there's this further developments where D'Amato passed away and the people who made the tickle documentary were very clear. They'd be respectful. And cause I think they knew that his death could potentially become a spectacle unto itself because of the doc. So they're like, you know, please don't contact his family. Please don't try and do anything. We are very sad. He's passing. And they, they were very nice about it. They were like, you know what? D'Amato is a part of our life. Like he is inextricably like connected to us now. And um, there is something we, we miss him. We we're, we're sad to see him go, you know, because I think I think they wanted him to face some sort of um, punishment for his crimes. But also, I think there's still that mystery of like, they just wanted to understand this guy. Right. And I don't think they ever will now, you know. So. All in all, worthwhile. I'm glad you finally watched Tickled after I kept it's talking good. about it. Yeah, I, I, the, the whole experience, like the documentary on its own, is a good documentary. Uh, my feelings on it are improved by the follow up, the short twenty two minute follow up. I think for me, it's a more just because I just like to know. So like, I get getting more of the picture, getting more um, D'Amato content was <laughs> nice. Uh, just this enigmatic figure who will go down in mystery forever. Um, it's, it's fascinating. It, and it's the fact is like, for me, like it's, there's a million other things like this out there. Right. So like there's this whole, the internet has opened up this whole sea underbelly of all of these markets and worlds and content that caters to groups that you don't even know exist in the first place. For instance, do you want to know why in the movie bombshell that Fox news one, uh, they were able to get the uh, behind the scene offices so well portrayed that even people who worked at Fox, which that floor is extremely secure. Well, there's, I don't even think you could take photos in there. People who work there were surprised at the setup. And when the um, set designer was interviewed about how he figured out, he goes, oh, um, we based the design off oh of my gosh, a I know web- what you're ta- You know yeah. it. Uh, yeah. We based the designs off of a website that features uh, Fox News host feet pics. And that's how we were able to figure out the, the floor plan for the, for the Fox News uh, office floor. So, so weird. <laughs> I'm not here to like, I to speak very briefly on uh, feet the, and feet picture culture. Well, this <laughs> fetishes in general. It's like support on Patreon for feet pics. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Melvin says he would definitely do feet pics no, for no money. <laughs> you have no choice. Choice here they come. <laughs> oh, I love the Lord of the Rings. The hobbits never wear shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so every time there's all these photos of like people on Quentin Tarantino starring the Hollywood Walk of Fame just stepping on it. You know, you see those. <laughs> 
Um, when you learn that he's got a foot foot thing for the first time, that which of course is like that's I, like I think it's first... unavoidable at certain points filmography. You can't watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and not come away with that so opinion. Many it's, feet. It's, it's it's not wild. my thing. I'm not to be unnecessarily mean to anyone out there, but gross. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> no. So like, I'm sure we'll get talked. We'll get asked about this, but like, I don't think there's anything inherently sinful of in theory about any sort of fetish. However, I think it's very easy for it to override and change um, the God designed concept of sexuality as it's supposed to exist, where it's a, a loving union uh, uh, between a man and woman within the context of marriage, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You've all heard this stuff before. So I think there is potential where like it becomes a thing where it like overrides your love for the person totally where like there's that semi-famous story of like a a man and a woman were having trouble being intimate and so the psychologist because the man had foot fetish suggested he nail a shoe to the wall above the headboard so he'd stare at it and it's just like people think it's like a funny story but i'm like that guy like basically isn't even attracted to his wife right like at a certain point right uh, i think that's not good yeah that's that to put it mildly that's not good uh (laughs) and so like and then even outside of that i think it's very obvious that fetishes have spiraled into it's on like you know cottage industry where all all pornography is sex outside of the context that god designed it for in case anyone was worried about at least my stance on some of these things after oh. we, we <laughs> guffawed and giggled agreement. throughout, tickled. But I, I would believe we're in agreement because um, <laughs> there is a sense that uh, not that Ameri- I'm here to, to to borrow a phrase. I'm not here to yuck anyone's yum, but you know, <laughs> but uh, but you are weird if you uh, like to <laughs> if you have a but if, I would if you like things like, I don't like. But I mean, weird by some definition, sure. Well, yeah. so within the confines of, yeah, a, a marriage unit, uh, man and women are allowed to explore uh, what they enjoy and what they don't enjoy. Yeah. And yes, that's the preservation of each other, the um, exploration and the satisfaction of each other towards each other can include many things. And that is for you to explore together, um, especially when you understand the concept of marriage and uh, being representative of Christ in the church and the wholeness of God's creation and us as people. The idea that when I'm living in God's goodness and I'm able to do good because there's no law for what's good, that means you can do anything. And that comes down to preference and interests and God-given and God-created passions. But just like how you can become a workaholic, um, despite what work you might be, uh, you could have the same thing happen in sexuality where your focus is transitioned away from uh, what's intended to something else. And so, yeah, uh, 100%, that's totally possible. And, right, right. But that's going to also happen regardless of whether you have a particular slant or interest in your sexuality or if you're just a vanilla missionary only kind of guy because now you're only worshiping missionary position is the only form of sexuality. And so, uh, yeah, it's not... A, it, it's almost like these things are complicated and because of sin, everything gets a little more difficult, but yeah, my, um, my marriage and the family teacher, when I went to Bible college, um, his whole stance was the, the marriage bed is sacred. Whatever you guys are doing in there, it's fine. Um, the only caveats is like, obviously the body's a temple. So for example, if you really like punching someone in the face, like that's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> maybe Don't you like it, but it's not, you know, taking care of your spouse, you know, 
Um, that is not <laughs> that is not loving your spouse. Correct. So obviously, like whatever, whatever, whatever he's like, that's fine as long as it's not um, defiling the person's body in any way. You're a image bearer. You have value, stuff like that. So on and so forth. So Melvin, if you want your wife to tickle you, that's totally fine. It's, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not going to judge you or whatever. I, I, you can do like, I, yeah, I don't uh, think there's anything simple about doing something that could be seen as odd, you know, like, yeah, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of an example. I wouldn't be gross, but, um, I don't know. Like, <laughs> just, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with wearing costumes, for example, Maybe actually no, I'm 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 second guessing myself because if it's if if you're indulging in an attraction to something other than your spouse, I think that's questionable. I'll get back to you on that. In the middle of a random other episode, we'll be Definitely talking about Obi Wan or something. I'll be like, anyway, <laughs> so here's how I feel about wearing costumes. And um, if you guys want to dress up like Obi Wan, I guess I don't know. What a bad show! I did not like that at all. Uh, look forward to that episode whenever if we choose to even do it. The texts that I said, Nan, are really funny. I hope we read those on the episode. <laughs> uh, I should do crack myself up. <laughs> My letterbox review, I like wrote part of it and I go, oh man, I'm being really mean. <laughs> and I read it to Catherine. She's like, oof. Um, yeah, I did not like that show at all. Uh, but yeah, Tickled, check it out. It is good. I think it's, if you're, if you're I, just... I will oh, add wow. that like there's a part of there's a part of every person that when you're about to hear see something weird, there's like a thought in your back of your head, you're just like, Oh no, what if I like this? You know what I mean? They're just like, like what, what, if it's awake, or... what if this awakens something in me? And then like <laughs> two minutes in, I'm like, oh no, that's not a concern. <laughs> this is very odd. And I was like very like weirded out by it very quickly. And I was like, that's kind of nice that apparently like I'm relatively normal in that regard. Your barometer is still working. So it's yeah, pretty good. I'm like, all right, I'm a-okay. Because it's a part of like, ugh. It's like, the, it's that Jim Rash thing from Community. This better not awaken anything in me. Have no fear. It's, I found it to be so off-putting in parts that. I was like, ugh. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess if it, it, apparently there's a whole market for it, but not for me, not for Dan. But anyway, you're recommending the show. Yeah, I, it's it's a good movie. It's well put together. It's funny. It's incredibly funny. It's incredibly enjoyable. It's um, it's challenging. It's uncomfortable. It is the full gambit uh, gamut of of emotional experience, and it's just. It's just really great. I think, um, like I've said before, when you've seen an obscenely large amount of movies, you're kind of just pining for something new and different. And uh, this is that. So I, yeah, I, I can't recommend it enough, and I'll continue to recommend it uh, till the day I die. So it is, it is really good. I stand for tickling. So there we go. Um, what, uh, what recommendations do you have for us today? Uh, so thinking about documentaries, I. I'm going to recommend one that's kind of on the other end of the spectrum while tickled as it um, develops, you become, I guess, more weirded out. Like it, it becomes darker as it goes along in a lot of ways. I'm going to recommend something that's kind of in the other direction, but will be of interest to movie people for sure. I'm going to recommend a documentary called The Wolf Pack. Have you ever seen this? Is this the one where they're a bunch of kids who like are living in this apartment? They only go outside like six times a year. Yes. Yeah, I, and, um, this was also recommended by YMS, and I, I've been meaning to check it out. Um, he, in that same video, he recommended a documentary called Welcome to Leith, which is pretty good. And I'm debating on that as my reco or something else. But continue, Wolfpack. Um, what you just said is, I think, all the information you need. It's um, someone who is like a documentarian or a journalist, one of the two, just stumbled across these kids 
um, and then decided to do a documentary on them. So very just kind of happenstance. It's really interesting. Uh, it's it's a it's a character piece in the sense that you just learn about these kids and their life, and there's things about it that will be particularly of interest to movie fans. I really enjoyed it. It's recommended to me uh, by one of my coworkers a few years ago, and uh, she has great taste. I need to ask her more recommendations soon, but uh, it's 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 right there on Netflix. It's a relatively quick watch, all things considered. I really like it. I really enjoy it. Uh, tickled leaves you kind of not feeling good at the end in some ways it's though very interesting the wolf pack is kind of opposite i it leaves you with a really good feeling at the end so uh, i recommend the wolf pack and i am going to because so i was going to recommend catfish uh but i feel like i've recommended that on the podcast today or not today just in just in general i think i've recommended that as a thing i couldn't find out uh if i could if i did um so I'll kind of recommend two, but I'm only going to list one in the bottom. Uh, catfish is a documentary about catfishing, and it's about one particular guy who gets catfish, kind of learns that he's being catfished, and then for the documentary is exploring that experience and then going to find where the person is. And it is, uh, it's good. It's a good like talking it about. It launched just, the TV show. It launched the TV show if you know about it on MTV, and uh, I, I've heard it described the MTV show as a trash watch. Uh, if you just want to watch something trashy. Uh, watch catfish mostly just because the the concept of catfishing and all of it is it's a it's a sad thing and so it's trash tv but the the documentary uh and i can't speak to the show because i haven't watched it but the documentary is very um human it's very uh soft and gentle it's emotional it's incredibly sad um but without being the kind that leaves you going away like depressed like a, like a movie like come and see which will just make you depressed and sad it, but cabbage is more it, it has that interesting uh documentary through line that's really good um one scene is very weird where they just read the the the, the sex that they've been sending each other which was just bizarre um so i don't know why they did that but also, that is a big thing about catfishing. So I guess I get why they kept it in. So that is a soft record. But I'm actually going to recommend the other one, Welcome to Leith, which was also recommended by YMS. Um, I'm just going to read the description here and then I'll expand on it. But it is, uh, in September 2012, the tiny prairie town of Leith, North Dakota, sees its population of 24 grow by one. As the new resident's behavior becomes more threatening, tensions soar, and residents desperately look for ways to expel this unwanted neighbor. And the one neighbor is an alt-right guy who moves into the area with the intent to have more of his neo-nazi friends move into the area to co-op the community and uh basically turn it into an alt-right neo-nazi town uh because uh they can just vote people in and it's sort of just that that is what it is it is strange and it's it is again these documentaries that are just a real thing in real life that happened and it's just it's really compelling it's interesting at times funny because it's so absurd and and just strange and uh, so i definitely recommend that it was on netflix for time but it's not now i guess you have to get it off amazon i think you can stream it off amazon i guess i'll double check right now and let you know uh yeah you're gonna have to rent it uh, it is on Prime Video, but it is uh, it is very good. It is not on Vudu, which I thought was strange, but yes, it is it is just a good time. It's it's great, and I guess you could say like this came out in 2015, pre-Trump, um, but definitely in line with that. Uh, that might immediately upset some people that I'm making that connection right there, but 
come on, right? Like, come on. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it is, it is a trip, uh, definitely recommended. Uh, and like, yeah, if you're, if you're someone who likes to chase fascinating documentaries, um, then, uh, continue this ride with me and check out welcome to Leith. And like I said, soft reco and catfish, but what else do you have, Dan? Uh, did you just not have like a, a Christian thingy that you wanted to go for, or you just wanted to do it at the end? No, I did. I did an order. I realized after I said, after I said it, I realized I did it out of order. It's okay. It's okay. <sighs> oh, silly me. Uh, I'm going to recommend a book I've been using to ugh, grab it here uh, to help me because I'm doing some VBS stuff. And I recommend a book. It's a little older than some of the things I've recommended here on the show, but uh, I think it's still good. It's called The Drama of Scripture. It's by Greg G. Bartholomew and Michael W. Going. Um, it is basically trying to like help you understand the general narrative that goes through Scripture, uh, not in the kind of like the kitschy light way that some people do, where they just talk about like, oh, isn't the story of Daniel pretty dramatic? But more like <laughs> the actual like like the thrust of scripture where it's like the redemption of man um christ and like how god is preserves people and all this great stuff and it helps in a very orthodox theologically sound way helps you really dig into um the amazing story that is the bible so uh very helpful for those who do preaching or lead small groups it also just like really helps bring and illuminate some things to light so um it also is just one of those things that I'm noticing is like very accessible to a large audience. When you look at the people who have utilized it, you get everyone from uh, Gordon G. Wenham and Tremper uh, Longman to N.T. Wright to uh, yada, yada, yada. So also uh, my copy has a nice uh, dedication page written to the person who read the book before me. So I guess that doesn't really apply to anyone else but me, but that's really nice. So uh, the drama of scripture. Thanks so much for checking out this episode of Cinematic Doctrine. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a review and subscribing to the podcast. And as mentioned before, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a once-a-month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss on the podcast. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check that out at patreon.com forward slash cinematicdoctrine. A special shout out to those who support at the Art House Theater tier on Patreon. Thank you so much, Mom, Dad, Melanie, Sherlyon, and Thomas. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck. We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematicdoctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.